right, Trinity Church, how you doing? Yeah, hey, can we thank our worship team? What a great job today. So good. And again, they did a great job doing exactly their job, leading you, not performing for you, but leading you. You did a great job doing your role as well. So really glad you're here today. You join us, especially if you're a guest today, on the last week of a series that we call Rooted and Reaching. And we'll catch you up a little bit to that in just a second. If you walked in today and you got one of these, it's called Trinity This Week. Inside, you'll notice a set of notes if you want to get those out and have those ready. We'd love to fill in blanks at Trinity Church, so we'll get you all set for that. If you have a Bible today, book Bible, electronic Bible, if you'd open it to Acts chapter 15, Acts, Acts of the Apostles, Acts of the Holy Spirit, probably better said, that's the fifth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And in fact, chapter 15, we'll be there in just a minute. I want to welcome you today. It's a great day to be together and uh, loving kind of the sequence that we've been walking through. Let me kind of catch you up a little bit to that. Before I do that, let me remind you, next week, Mission Celebration Weekend here at Trinity Church. First weekend of November, excited about that. Wanna, even what you heard earlier today about the Loft House build, that'll be a part of that weekend on Friday and Saturday, and then on Sunday, uh, some great stuff going on. Jim Willer doing a great job with our missions, local and global um, emphasis, and he's gonna give leadership. You'll see a lot of stuff going on, so I wanna encourage you to be back for that next Sunday. People who already got a jump on that, high school students, I know a lot of you were in LA overnight. Just to stand up real quick, if you were a part of the iHeart LA kind of group, so very cool. Awesome. Thank you guys. So here they are, and we're in a missions emphasis, and they're already doing some good missions exposure down in the heart of Los Angeles with the Union Rescue Mission, and so we're excited for that. So I hope you guys had a good trip. You all survived. You're back, so that's good news, and uh, we'll move in the same direction. Here's where we've been. Uh, Seven weeks ago, eight weeks ago, we pulled out to about 30,000 feet, and we basically said that every good story, every good book has a plot line you can follow. We believe the Bible to be a book like no other, but yet similar to other books, it has a plot line you can follow. And as we pulled out, we basically saw the plot line of the Bible is this. God creates all of creation perfect and in tune with him, but gives them the option to not love him. They choose not to, plunging all of creation into disorder and chaos and disarray called sin. Yet that's now what the Bible is from Genesis 3 all the rest of the way through showing us what God is doing to restore, to reconcile his created order to himself. And that's the person of Jesus that we're going to talk about a lot today. And so within that idea, that's the plot line, and and that's the good news, the gospel. So knowing this good news is where it begins, but a next step is to respond to it, to know that it's not just information to know, it's a a response to, to receive and to live by. And that gospel should change your perspective and your priorities. That was week one. Week two, we talked about that, that great powerful narrative of these four lepers who come upon a camp full, fully stocked with food, but a walled city behind them literally starving to death. And they say this powerful line, it would not be right for us to keep this good news to ourselves. The gospel is infinitely more valuable than a fully stocked camp for starving people, it is responsible. It is something that changes your destiny forever. And so we said that that same truth is real for us 
It's not right for the gospel to end with us. And we said, praise God that the people, and not just usually one of them, the people who shared the gospel with us, praise God that wasn't their attitude or else we wouldn't know it today. So week three, Pastor Tom Mercer came out and he talked with us. Now that you know this, now that you, you realize it's not right to keep it to myself, who do you go to? And he talked about your relational world. He talked about your eight to 15. He talked about your oikos. That this group of people that God has supernaturally, strategically placed you among, begin there. Where we would pray, God, send someone into my life, cross my path today I could share with. He would say, they're already right there under your nose. Pay attention to the people God's put in your life. Week four, we talked about the relationship between rooted and reaching. Rooted in Jesus, reaching our worlds. And we found that reaching our world flows out of being rooted in Jesus. And those two things are, are so organically connected together. We dare not split one away from the other. Week five, we talked about, I brought up my, my jar with my, my rocks. Big rocks, little rocks. And we talked through that without margin, all this, is, all this is, if I'm hearing it, already in a completely packed 24-hour existence, all this is is a new list to feel bad about. So we said margin required pulling some of the rocks out to create space and even maybe evaluating, dumping the whole jar out, putting in the big rocks first and then adding to those the things that can end up around them talked about praying for the people in your world was one of those outcomes of that day. Those prayer cards, by the way, if you haven't picked one up, they're at all your exits today on the way out. Take one of those, make a list, begin praying for the people in your world. The next week we talked about investing and inviting and how the idea that as I invest, genuinely love the people, no, no, nothing coming back to me, it's all sacrificial love. It gives me the right to be heard, the right to invite them to come and see who Jesus is. And then last week, I had my friend Ricky Hemme come out. And I didn't get to tell you much about Ricky in advance, but I'll just tell you, this is a very simple reason I brought Ricky. I've known Ricky for 10 years. This is just simply who Ricky is. He lives a rooted and reaching life. And I just wanted someone in front of you who could be able to say, hey, this is kind of what it looks like. And he left us with this great line, rescued sinners, rescue sinners. So that's kind of where we're at, what we've been walking through so far. And today, we're going to land the plane in this series and really kind of bring it to a place where we're ready to move forward as a church. One thing that I love is this. It keeps coming back to, we've said it every week, you have a mission. You have a purpose for being on the planet. And that purpose is God wants to use you as a person of intentional influence in your relational world with people who both already know him, that you get to encourage to keep walking with Jesus, and people who don't, people who were just like you before you placed your faith in Jesus. Those are the people you get to love, people you get to invest in, people you get to invite, people you get to pray for. To be rooted in Jesus and reaching your world is how you accomplish your mission for your life. I, f I came across this video, and I wanted you to see it today because I think it just so succinctly demonstrates the great privilege it is to be a part of God's mission to rescue the world. Take a look. God is perfect, right? right. Holy, righteous, infinite, no beginning, no end. Powerful, no one is greater. He speaks the word, and oceans are born, 
stars are arrayed on an endless black night canvas. The universe, he commands it all. The heavens that follow us up, they are his. So why would a God who divinely powerful and perfect ever for a second need our help? Why would he invite us in to participate in his glorious work? Why would he graciously let us call shotgun and join him on this ride? It's not because he needs us to, no. It's because he wants us to. And because we are made by him and for him, our souls are never more alive when we are doing what we are made to do, making him known on the earth. This gospel is not about us, but it does take us. All right, I just love that. I love it so well puts it. It's not about us. But we have this great privilege to get to be a part of it. And that's what I want you to know. I want you to know it experientially that God wants to use you. Now, there's plenty of people here at Trinity Church who would say, Todd, I've been doing this for a long time, and I know you have. And you've had a great attitude. You even said things like, hey, I've been a person of intentional influence in my relational world. And if you want to call it rooted in reaching, go ahead. I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing. And I say, praise God, keep doing what you're doing. And there are people even here today, people that you have invited, people that are guests here at Trinity Church because you took the time, you cared enough to want to say, would you want to be a part of this? Would you want to know the same Jesus I know? At least let me introduce you to him. And if you're here today as a guest and that's the reason that you're here because someone cared enough to invite you, again, a hearty welcome to you. Thank you for being here. For others of us, this is a new idea. And in this new idea, what's going to happen is this, as you begin to take ownership of your mission, as you begin to take ownership of living a rooted and reaching life, here's what you're going to be looking for. You're going to be looking for a church to be a good partner to you. Do you hear the difference? It's not that your church is saying what you can do for the church. It's your church saying, it's you saying, I'm on mission. I have a relational world. I need help in reaching them Will you be a good partner to me? And that's what today is all about, is the kind of partnership that Trinity Church wants to have with you while you're on mission. Look at your now what today. It's on your notes on the screen. Trinity Church is committed to the partnership of helping you live a rooted and reaching life. That's what we want to be coming alongside of you as you're living out your mission So let's dive in today. Number one in your notes, our partnership includes preparing you for a missional life. Our partnership includes preparing you for a missional life. We're going to look at a landmark passage today that changed the face of the church. Here we are on Reformation Sunday celebrating the 500th anniversary of a phenomenal thing that happened when Martin Luther had the courage to go and say, I question this. These are all questions. I question this. And as a result of that, as we look at this today, I want to go back to something even 2,000 years old that happened in Acts chapter 15 that was actually the first of these types of ripples that were going to affect even the fact that you're here today, even the fact that you even had the opportunity to hear the gospel. That's how far back we're going to go in that sequence. And what we want to ask is this question, what is necessary for someone to do before they respond to the gospel and begin following Jesus? Maybe another way of saying that, how do we present the message of the gospel in a way that is not less than what the word of God communicates, but it's also not more than added to either? That's what we're looking at today. So your, your Bibles are open, Acts chapter 15. This is setting the stage from chapter 15, verse 1. 
Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch. That'll be a key city today. And they were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This has some major implications, the first of which is summarized in the word, ouch! Okay, this is what was happening. People were hearing the gospel, and the men were moving to the back of the line saying, Honey, if you and the kids want to go, that's fine. I'm going to stay home on Sunday. Okay? This was a big problem. They couldn't figure out the early church in Antioch why their men's ministry was so meager. Nobody wanted to be a part of this. This is a big deal, big commitment. And so as a result, another problem was simply this. This was the issue that was being raised. Do you have to become Jewish before you can become a Christian? Now, here we are 2,000 years on this side of the issue, and we think that's not an issue today. And for many of us, it's not. But you're going to see today the implications of what the early church was working out that now radically affect what we live and how we do life today. So the early church at this point was confused. Is this movement of following Jesus an entirely different thing? Or is it just a new branch of the ages old, the thousands of years old religion called Judaism? What is Christianity? What is this? And since most of the members of the early church, especially those in Jerusalem, were Jewish, it kind of made sense to them. That's how we were raised. That's how it went. We grew up in homes. We were good Jewish boys and girls, and we did everything that, well, at least what we could do of what the law was. And when we didn't, we learned whatever it meant to try to make sacrifice for that. We walked this road. And now when we heard about Jesus as Messiah, we responded, why shouldn't everyone else have that same sequence to go through that we did? That was the question they were struggling with. Simple question, does something like this still happen today? Do followers of Jesus impose standards on others that Jesus never commanded? Well, here's a few that that might happen. Maybe not at Trinity, but they happen. It's good that you want to follow Jesus, but you also need to do something about your hair. It's good that you want to follow Jesus, but you need to do something about those tattoos. It's good that you want to follow Jesus, but you also need to vote Republican. These are interesting extras, right? It's Jesus plus something. And that's exactly what the debate was in Acts 15. Is it Jesus plus our Jewish heritage or could it just be Jesus? This was the tension point that they were working through. So this caused great concern. Paul and Barnabas were leading the Antioch church. By the way, the Antioch church was filled with Gentiles who'd never even heard of the law had never even begun to live it out. This is hugely problematic for them. It caused an incredible stir in that church. So they had a great solution. You were sent to us by Jerusalem, or at least you came from there. Let's go back to, in a sense, the early church headquarters, and let's just have a conversation. Let's have a forum to figure this out. As they were on their way up to Jerusalem, it became even a sharper dividing point as we read further. You're in your Bibles, Acts 15, 5. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees. And in some ways you hear that and you're like, wait, what's saying? Pharisees had come to Christ? I mean, Pharisees were the consummate religious bad guys all throughout the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's no one who gets harsher responses from Jesus and the Pharisees, even Pharisees, even Pharisees like Nicodemus, 
Joseph of Arimathea, they had come to Christ, put their faith in him, but they were wrestling with this same tension. This is how they were saying it. They, they said this, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. They're going all the way. You have to not only be a follower of Jesus, but a follower of Moses. Other words, way of saying the law. So these were people of the highest obedience of Jewish faith. They were literally religious professionals. And these were the conclusions that they were coming to. So let's see what happens next. Acts 15, 7. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. This is Peter, the apostle. Peter, one of the 12 disciples. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips. This is firsthand. From my lips, the message of the gospel and believe. He's referring to a sequence of events that happened in Acts chapter 10. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. That's a reference to Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon believers. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts. How? By faith. Now then, why do you test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles, look at the way he words this, a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear. Why would we do that? We can't even do this stuff. Why would we expect them to? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. So Peter makes this powerful plea that the early church do what actually Martin Luther would reform 1,500 years later by grace alone, through faith alone, through Jesus alone. These are the same words we're reading about in Acts 15. The church would lose their way again, and it would be Luther who would remind us. Paul and Silas go on to share firsthand accounts of what they had been seeing God do among the Gentiles, especially in the city of Antioch. And this is what I want you to see. This is the conclusion that they come to, Acts 15, 13. When they finish, James, James is the leader of the Jerusalem church. James spoke up, brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written, and he's going to quote the prophet Amos. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. It ruins, its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Look at this line. Even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things, things known from long ago. Even the Gentiles who bear my name. James is leading the early church to understand what God had been saying from the very beginning. And here he is, and he quotes the prophet Amos, but look at all the other places he could have gone. He could have gone all the way back to the very first book of the law, to Genesis. And he could have quoted the narrative when God is making a promise, Yahweh making a promise to Abraham, through you, the nations will know, will find salvation because I'm sending you to bless the nations. Through your family, salvation will come. He could have talked about the narrative in Deuteronomy 4 when Moses is telling the people, once you get into the land, when you settle in the cities and when you live obediently to your God, the neighboring nations will come to you and they will say, how can we know this God who's blessed you so much? 
It would be found in the Psalms when the psalmist writes that the nations, representatives from all the nations come into his courts with praise. It could be found in the narrative where the queen of Sheba comes to Solomon at the height of the the nation, the empire of Israel, and says, this God has not only given you great wealth, but great wisdom. And the nations are coming. Just the fulfillment of Deuteronomy 4, the nations are coming to take notice. And Amos is one prophet, but all the prophets talked about Messiah, including Isaiah. I love the way Isaiah said it. He said, it's too small a thing for a Messiah just to come to the house of Israel. He's coming to the world. And when I hear things like that and all the others that we could cite, that makes me say, yay, God, because it changed everything for us even today. Can we do one of those? Yay, God, one, two, three. Yay, God. This is great news. This is what the gospel is, and it extends even to us. This is a God who didn't love just certain people, but the kind of God who so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him may not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the gospel, the euangelion, as Ricky was here last week talking about that with us, that we're so grateful to know and grateful to share with others who haven't yet responded to this invitation to believe in him. I'm excited to share this with you. Our Trinity pastoral staff is going to have a version, you might say, of our own council. We're getting away next month and doing what we call a strategic planning retreat Two days in November up at Forest Home just to pray, just to process, just to plan, just to have conversations. How does Trinity Church, how can we in our roles help Trinity Church, the people, right? Trinity Church isn't a a campus. It's not a location. It's people. How can we help people live rooted in Jesus, reaching their world lives? That's what we're going to get away to do. And I'm excited to see the ripple effect of that getaway and what that's going to mean in all of our lives in the coming weeks and months and years. More on that to come. Number two in your notes today, our partnership includes putting the lower rungs back in the ladder. Our partnership includes putting the lower rungs back in the ladder. You've been here this whole service wondering, what is going on with that big orange thing behind me? Right? Nobody addressed it. Bill didn't say anything. Steve didn't say anything. Todd didn't say anything till now. Well, we're going to talk about this. We're going to use this as an analogy in just a second. But that's what we're talking about. We're talking about rungs. This is a rung. It's a step in the ladder. Putting the bottom rungs back in the ladder. Let me say that this is where James now, back to Acts 15, this is where he says something that to me is a game changer. He says something that completely sets the course for not only the church 2,000 years ago, but the course for us today. Acts 15, 19, it is my judgment, right out of what he's just said in quoting Amos, it is my judgment, therefore, watch, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Read that out loud with me. That we we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. That we should not make it difficult for people who are turning to God. That would be the last thing we would ever want Trinity Church to be known for. They make it hard to get to know who God is. We want just the opposite. They make it accessible. They make it available. They help me understand this. I'm so glad that they came to this decision. Think of the implications even in your own life. 
the people who shared with you, the people who shared with them, the people who shared with them all directly influenced because James at this council with all these believers saw fit that we weren't going to make it difficult for people who were turning to God. Instead, we were going to make Jesus accessible. And by the way, isn't that the great news we talked about earlier today? That is what the Reformation was all about. The the bottom rungs of the ladder was Martin Luther saying, we need a Bible people can read for themselves in the common language of the day. Simple question for us today, 500 years from now, what are, from then, what are the things today that still keep Jesus inaccessible to the people in our worlds? That's the new reformation. That's the things we need to consider today. I'm glad about these things, about this commitment, and I want you to know how committed we are at Trinity Church to keep the bottom rungs in the ladder. Here's what I mean by that. Pastor Steve Springstead and I got together a couple of weeks ago for about three hours talking about Trinity's assimilation strategy. Assimilation, when it comes to a church, simply means this. This was the question we put before ourselves. How do we help people identify what is their next step in following Jesus? That's a simple question. How do we help people identify what is their next step in following Jesus and help them take it? And when you think of steps, you can think of a ladder today for a visual. This kind of works for that, of thinking of a ladder that helps us understand how is it that we would do this. So let's do this. Let's think of the idea of maybe some of the pieces that are in play for many people as they're putting their faith in Jesus, as they're going to grow in him. It begins this, maybe the first rung on the ladder, and by the way, you are so nervous right now. Even though I'm only one step up, you're like, man, that thing's rickety. I got friends in the front row. They're going to come save me. Walker, that's a yes I was looking for. All right. So let's say first rung. Let's say first rung in this whole thing has nothing to even do with responding to Jesus yet. Maybe maybe it was simply a come and see event, an entry point event, just come to a weekend worship service. Where can I even understand who even is this Jesus? Then maybe a next step related to this, it was the idea of um, having a, a, a relationship, having a, a place, a safe place where I could ask questions. Because I might hear from a guy on a stage or a woman on a stage, I might hear from up front who this Jesus is, but I need a place where I can ask, how does this make sense? So another step would be a safe place to have a conversation with either a person or a group. Maybe the third step is this. I finally come to the place where I've been able to ask my questions. I have a basic understanding of the gospel, and I realize that's my next step, and I take it. I respond to the gospel and ask Jesus to be my Savior. Look how many steps up. Look how far up I'm even before I even get there. Where often we think this is the first step. It's not. It's all these other things that God is doing, working that, towards that. Then when I think of other steps, maybe, in, oh, I almost fell. Then I think of other steps. <laughs> and by the way, my good friend uh, Dave Black made this for us, so I really appreciate it. There's a lot of effort. You'll see in a minute why this is not just a ladder. But as I think of other steps, I go, you know what? I, I've heard from the very beginning what I knew is that I'm rescued to rescue. So I'm engaging. There's people in my relational world who don't know Jesus yet. They're on my list. I'm praying for them. I'm investing. I'm inviting. Maybe another step is the idea of baptism. You know, I didn't, get, I didn't ask Jesus to be my savior so I could keep it to myself. I want everyone to know. And they get into these baptism waters and it is a public declaration of their faith. 
Maybe another step is they recognize God's stewardship over everything in their lives and they realize, you know what? Giving consistently is an act of faith. I want to grow in my trust in Jesus. I'm going to give to my local church. Maybe it's the idea of holy habits, of being in the word by myself, of of learning how to pray consistently. That's another step up this ladder. And by the way, I'm not stepping up any further because they told me not to, okay? (laughs) Now I'm just using the illustration, right? Maybe another step is finding a group to belong with, finding a place to serve. These are all steps up this ladder. And you, every one of you today in here are somewhere on these steps. Every one of you. And some of you, to be real honest, you're actually still on the floor. And I love that. I love that you're here today. Just beginning to figure this out. Check it out. Here's what happens. This is what was going on in the early church in Acts 15. This is what happens in our life. As we begin taking steps, we're grateful for the people God uses and the things he uses to accelerate our growth. But we just start kind of cruising up here and we forget, now that we're up this high on this ladder, we forget how important those lower steps are. So guess what we can do without even thinking about it? We can begin to say, you know, entry point events and inviting people. I don't know. Is it really that important? Because I have a small group full of other Christians, and we're just having a great time doing life together. It's really hard. It takes a lot of effort to get to know other people who don't love Jesus right now. And the idea of having a safe place to have a conversation, you know, that just is really awkward when you're trying to talk to someone that don't have their faith in. I mean, I love talking to people who love Jesus. That's awesome. But people who don't yet know, they ask weird questions or I don't know how to answer. It gets weird. This idea of responding to the gospel, I've already done that. Why does Todd keep doing that prayer at the end of every message? And very subtly and very easily, without even thinking about it, because we're somewhere up here, we take out the bottom rungs. And then when someone is new to Trinity Church, when someone's new to the Christian faith, this is what we ask them to do. (laughs) Right? Just, Just step on up. Reach on up there. Just, you know, you don't need those ones. I did. I did. But you're fine. Just go ahead and and just plunge up. By the way, I'm not very limber. I'm going to stop doing this, okay? (laughs) So here's what we're saying. At Trinity Church, we're going to be intentional about putting back in the lower rungs. We're going to do things that make what we just said a minute ago, making the gospel accessible, making Jesus known to people who don't know him yet. And that takes some intentionality. You have a blank in your notes People need these rungs now like you needed them then. People need the bottom rungs now just like we needed them then. And it's easy to forget why they were so important. It's easy to forget that they were so helpful to you and just assume that it's just going to keep on going. Here's, I want to give you some practical examples today. What do the bottom rungs at Trinity Church look like? These are not all of them, but these are a few. In your notes, the first thing, one of the things we're doing is we're changing some names of ministries. We're changing some names of ministries, and I'll give you two basic reasons. The first one is this. Some of the names of some of our programs are hard. You have to decipher. You have to get translated for you. And when you invite someone to something, it takes some time to actually help them get to know. We know there's a lot of history of why it was called uh, TLC, But Trinity Kids is just very simple and accessible. When our children invite their friends to something, they're just telling them we're going to this event at Trinity Kids. Everyone knows what that means. 
Middle school ministry is really simple. It's called middle school ministry. High school ministry, the same way. High school ministry, HSM. Things like our Trinity women, just very easy to connect that dot, Trinity men. They're related to our senior adults. What is it? Who are we trying to reach? People who understand themselves to be senior adults. Trinity missions, Trinity worship. These are all things. And what you'll notice, by the way, not only the simplicity of names, but you'll also notice they all connect, whether in symbol or whether in name, they connect back to this idea of Trinity Church. Here's the basic reason why. Within that idea, this is the way I use this analogy all the time with our pastors. I use this analogy of a, of a church being like a tree. It really works with our, our, um, our uh, branding as well. But if you think of the mission of a church as the trunk, Then you think of the different programs and ministries as the branches. We want to do things that make sense that the branches are connected to the same trunk. So hence, even the look and the naming of Trinity within things just help people understand this is a church whose ministries emanate from that mission rather than a church that has a bunch of parachurch ministries connected to it. That's what we're trying to do, to bring that that connection and that unity. The second way, and I get real excited about this, is that we're updating our signage. Trinity the Church, this campus that we have is so wonderful for a lot of different things that we can do all around us. But one of the problems is it is really hard to navigate. It is hard to find your way around this place. And so what we want to do is we want to do something to improve our signage. These are mock-ups. You noticed when you came on today, I didn't see that today. It's not there yet. But in the next few months, we hope to have this. And these are just very basic ways of being able to find your way around our campus, a lot of times using our current signs and just using a different look to them with some more helpful sign uh, directional things. I think they look sharp. I really appreciate Chris Petnack and Hilke doing working with all of our teams and getting the signage stuff kind of put together. And it's going to be great. By the way, when you invite guests to come to Trinity Church, here's the thing that is most important to us, and this is what they'll know. They'll walk on this campus, they'll see all these signs that help them know where to go, and they will understand this. They expected me to be here today. It's not an insider club where people all know who've been here long, they know how to get to each building. No, no. They knew I was coming today, and they knew I would need to know where to park. They knew I would need to know where to go to these buildings. They knew I would know this, need to know this information. That's why we're doing it. The third is entry point events. We are purposefully processing why we do entry point events, who we're doing them for, and for this main purpose, that you, people who attend Trinity Church now, that you would be confident knowing that when you invite someone to come to this event, someone who has not put their faith in Jesus yet, it's going to be an entry point, a starting point where they can go, thank you. Thank you for helping me just at least get to know this come and see idea of what this is all about. These are things that we're doing to intentionally put the bottom rungs back in the ladder so people can have access, so we're not making it difficult for people coming to God. And I'm so excited about these and all the things we'll be doing in the future. Number three in your notes today, another thing that we want to do in our partnership is be a people who get to praise God for what's going on in your life. We want to be a people who join you in praising God for what he's doing in your life and in your world. Let's go back to our text today. We're in Acts chapter 15. The Jerusalem council, they agreed that non-Jews turning to Jesus didn't need to become Jewish first. And so they sent out a letter. They sent out a letter communicating what the decision they'd come up with. And here's what happened when the church of Antioch, remember we said it was a key city? When the church of Antioch heard this news, chapter 15, verse 30. 
So the men who were sent off, or so the men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. So everyone got around together. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, these were the two who were told to take the letter from Jerusalem to Antioch, who themselves were prophets. They said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. And after spending some time there, they were sent off by the believers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. What a cool day. What a cool day that a church business meeting goes well. Right? That does not always happen. And this was a great thing. These people had gotten together. They realized we're not going to make it difficult for people coming to God. And now we want to send this message of the decision back. So the church of Antioch receives it. And here's what they're hearing. You don't have to become Jewish to become a Christian. You don't have to be a follower of Moses and Jesus, just Jesus. Jesus alone. That caused great rejoicing. And guess what else that caused? That caused them people who were apprehensive, people who were worried. Is this now what this was? I didn't realize this is not how Paul and Barnabas taught the faith to be. Now I'm confused. Well, guess what they weren't doing in that in-between time? They weren't taking that good news to other people because they didn't even know if they'd gotten it right. Now that they heard this, now that they were aware, no, this is the good news by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. Now those people were unleashed. The church of Antioch was unleashed to reach out into their relational worlds with this great news that they had only hoped was really the case. What's going to begin happening in lives at Trinity Church as people take seriously what it means to be rooted in Jesus. Another way of saying that, by the way, this is what I keep finding. Another way of saying to live a life rooted in Jesus simply means next things I'm surrendering to him. Because rooted in Jesus looks a lot like that. As my roots bore down into the person of Christ, what I keep finding out is Jesus simply invites me to give him all of me not just the parts of me I feel comfortable with. And so as I keep surrendering, as I keep handing over to him what I think are my rights to my life, I keep finding his faithfulness to be new every day. You will want to celebrate that with people and we want to be the people you celebrate that with. As we start reaching into our world, start living as people of intentional influence, you're going to have some great stories to share you're going to need prayer. You're going to want people to be praying for the people in your world that are, are walking this out, trying to understand this. And, and maybe at times it's going to be so hard because their hearts seem hard. And you so badly want them to know this Jesus that you love. And other days things seem so great. We want to be a people who can pray with you. We want to be a people who can encourage you. We want to be people who put in the lower rungs of the ladder that are helpful to you as you're on mission in your world. And we'll have much to celebrate, not only what God is doing in you, but what God is doing through you. Partnerships, they accelerate exponentially. Partnerships make things go much better than you by yourself. And that's what our hope and prayer is, that Trinity Church would be a great partner to you. That's how we finish today. You're now what? Trinity Church is committed to the partnership of helping you live a rooted and reaching life. Let's pray. So, Father, today we thank you so very, very much for 
all of your word as we've seen the value of even that, having it in our own language. But today, especially this passage from Acts 15, this passage that so clearly lays out that we ought not make it difficult for people who are turning to God. Father, there are people in our relational world who have not yet turned to you. And our prayer is that we would be a people on mission who are praying for them, who are lovingly investing in their lives, who are inviting them to events and opportunities where they can just come and see. And God, our prayer is that you would use us as a people, use us as a people on mission, knowing that our church is going to be a good partner to us. God, as we are excited to live out a rooted and reaching life, God, the the impact on people's lives in the Inland Empire and beyond is just something we get excited about in advance. So we thank you for that. Maybe you're here today and we talked about these different rungs in the ladder and you realize as you were sitting there that you have been walking in these next steps that you actually have been here for a while. You have tasted and seen, come and seen a little bit of who this Jesus is And you recognize that you've even had some opportunities to have some conversations, to ask good questions, and to just begin to process what are the implications of putting your faith in Jesus and following him with your life. And you realize that you're standing on that second step. I want to give you great news today. You can take that third step. You can take that step of saying, Jesus, it is in you I place my faith. I want to follow you. And you do that by responding through something like the ABCs. A is to admit. To admit that you're a sinner who needs a savior. To admit that you've lived life on your terms and you know, you know there's a problem in the relationship with a holy God. You might not have always been able to put your finger on it, but you know there's something wrong and you know that you're to blame. B is believe. Believe that this Jesus we've talked about today, who lived a sinless life, who died a sacrificial death, who was raised supernaturally on the third day, believe that Jesus is the only Savior available. Put indeed your faith, your trust, your confidence in him today and forever. And see is choose. Choose to say, Jesus, I know that you've rescued me, and I know that I've been rescued to rescue others. I want to begin to live a rooted and reaching life today. That's the gospel. That's your response. And I would, I would plead with you today. There's no class to attend. That's simply your next step on this ladder. Take it today before you even get out of your chair. Father, we love you. Thank you so much that you saw fit to put people in our lives that would lead us to you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.